Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. After a long and troubled production, Pixar's The Good Dinosaur was as divisive as it was visually breathtaking. So in this episode, we celebrate the goodness of The Good Dinosaur while condemning the critics who clearly hate movies. Along the way, you'll get spoilers for The Revenant, Inside Out, Toy Story 3, the 2010 remake of True Grit, Ratatouille, Lion King, Stand By Me, Dumbo, Pinocchio, Brave, White Fang, Harry and the Hendersons, You've Got Mail, The Land Before Time, and the PBS cartoon Dinosaur Train. Guys, it's Pixar season, and by that I mean a new Pixar movie is coming out in theaters next week. Is that all it takes to be Pixar season? <laughs> well, sure. Here yeah, at You yeah. Hate Movies, it's Pixar season. So we thought, <laughs> man, there's a Pixar movie coming out. We're Leaves gonna are see changing. It. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to find some other excuses to talk about Pixar as well. Pixar is a bit like, uh, I don't know, like Marvel Studios or something. In some sense, it's almost like they can do no wrong. Um, and when they do have a misstep, it feels like tragic. It feels like everyone's going, oh, that one wasn't as good. And even bad for Pixar is still really good. It's almost like pizza or something <laughs> except, except cars man a, a bad movie from pixar is like a cheese pizza yeah it's no, like, it's it's like, it's it's like still a low, pizza it's like a low grade pizza you know you're like ah it's it still has toppings well when you argue with people about Wait, pixar you start topping. to get get into this whole like no this one's better that one's better this one sucked and then you realize well no it's not that it sucked it's actually yeah. pretty great <laughs> yeah just comparatively pixar is like a family member you know and if they don't if they don't do everything they can to entertain you you just feel betrayed. You know? Exactly. You know how Christopher <laughs> oh, Nolan geez. goes on about his, uh, uh, he feels like his movies are held to a weird standard, and it's totally true. He made yeah. such good movies that now we're all blasting holes in every little thing that we let anyone else get away with just because it's Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's the way it is with Pixar, and I felt like one of the movies that took a, a bad rap more than any of the Pixar movies undeservedly was uh, last year's The Good Dinosaur. That's the most recent film released from Pixar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanksgiving of 2015. Yes. Right, and it was a, a new director, Peter Son. Son? Son? S-O-H-N. Forgive me, Peter, for saying your name incorrect. Peter had been a part of the Pixar Son. pantheon for a while. He was the uh, voice of Emil, Remy's brother in Ratatouille. He's the voice of Squishy. In Monsters Incorporated, and I imagine that, I mean, in Monsters University, I imagine that he must have been around working on projects and also wanting to stretch his legs as a filmmaker. Somehow he got hired to direct The Good Dinosaur, which was a project that had been delayed and gone off the rails, and they stopped and they recasted it and they rewrote a bunch of Yeah, we kept seeing different artwork for it, right? Yeah, they were like... The dinosaur kept looking different. The premise kept changing. They said that they were having a lot of trouble sticking the landing on it. So they delayed it. They pushed it out to make it really great. And then last year, The, uh, the Good Dinosaur finally hit theaters around Thanksgiving time. And the uh, audience reaction was definitely mixed, to say the least. The critic reaction was mixed, to say the least. You didn't get a lot of people walking out excited. Yeah, the people weren't losing their minds like they had for you know previous Pixar installments. So I'm Josh. I'm here. And cards on the table right now uh, i love the good dinosaur i don't just like it i love it it's one of my favorite it's kind of why we're here every once in a while we get together and we recognize an injustice and we decide to do something about it yeah to and defend the the oppressed 
<laughs> Those <Yeah>. with no <laughs> voice. Yeah, that's right. A voice and for the voiceless. So Thank we're here. God that you hate movies <laughs> came along <laughs> to defend these poor little movies. I know. We're man. here to tell you, world, that the good dinosaur is ain't that bad. It, it lives up to its name. It's it's good. <laughs> it is. It is a good, good dinosaur. Good dinosaur. Patrick is here. I'm here. And my cards on the table is I liked it a lot. I would put it in my higher uh, ranking of Pixar movies. So I thought it was really good. Matt Hughes in the house. Hello, everyone. Lovely to be back. Yeah, hey, I'm, Matt. I'm a. Hey, Matt. I'm a. Hey, hey, guys. I'm a pretty big fan of the Good Dinosaur. I enjoyed it very much. Not an, not initially, to be honest. I had some concerns after my initial <laughs> viewing in the theater. Mm. Thought on it yeah. some, watched it again at home, and was like, "Nope, this is great." I was a fool. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's something we can all agree on. <laughs> I am off, and often a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler's here as well. Hey, hey, yeah. hey. Are we cards on the table? Uh, my cards on the table are a less enthusiastic uh, approval. Well, tell us. Film. Go ahead and tell us what uh, that means. I don't. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's. I don't think it's deserving of the harsh criticism that it's received from some out there with access to the internet <laughs> who have, sure. who have posted the, their opinions there. They're the ones who speak up. Yeah. <laughs> Those internet accessors. Uh, so I, I'm here to defend it by saying it's not. It's not bad. Okay, good. <laughs> great, great. Well, well that's a lot of clarity uh, I like there. It. I like it, but I don't think it's the most exciting Pixar film. Uh, I, th- I think it's a good movie, but it's not great. All right, well, let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, let's let's talk about what, what's good about The Good Dinosaur in uh, in the context of the Pixar pantheon. And I don't mean to just randomly choose a movie to, to compare it with, but it kind of couldn't get away from being compared to Inside Out. It was also, 2015 uh, was also the first year we had two Pixar movies right. in one year. So Inside Out came along during the summer. It was a runaway success. It ruined all of our top 10 lists for the summer. It really None of did. us expected yeah. it to come in at three or whatever it finally ended up coming in at, um, at the box office. And people just lost their minds over this thing. Now, uh, we'll talk about how, how we feel about all the Pixar movies in a, in a later episode. We're going to sit down and argue over ranking them all out. But for the sake of this episode, I went into Inside Out and I walked out feeling like a lot of people felt about The Good Dinosaur. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right. And then everyone around me was weeping and blowing their noses <laughs> on their each other's shirts and hugging. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is right. going on here? Over time, I grew to like Inside Out more. I've seen it like 10 times now because my kid watches it all the time. And it's kind of a thing that gets more charming the more you see it to me personally. But I left in, uh, The Good Dinosaur with more emotion and more connection to the story, I think, because it wasn't like other Pixar movies. And that yeah. was the criticism of The Good Dinosaur was like, yeah, but Inside Out was this really clever, imaginative concept. It was so like uh, unique and the way they realize it. And we're like, yeah, sure, all that's true. And they're like, all The Good Dinosaur is is like the premise from The Land Before Time. It's like an apatosaurus gets separated from his family. He's got to find his way back. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But why, since when does like an archetypical uh, story, a streamlined, simplistic, like kind of a minimal storyline is synonymous with bad. It's, it's like the stuff great stories are made of. 
That's not what you said on the Revenant episode. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> that is true. I didn't say that that was the thing that made it bad. I said that it, it did that and also sucked. And I stand by my opinion. The Revenant sucks. No, the Revenant's great. What I liked about this, the, it had this, this standard, you know, it had a story uh, trajectory that we could predict, I think. Most people, if you're like... That's at, the big that's uh, the, criticism. Yeah, that's the predictable. Yeah. But that, I don't think that's... The charm of the movie, the charm of the movie to me is is the adventure to get them there. And then like the world around it, you know, like the, the dinosaurs yeah, have amazing world. That yeah, it was in. It, visually it was incredible, yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a second. But just the, I, the little tidbits like the T-Rexes are the ranchers and the Velociraptors are the meth heads. The people that are saying it's unlike the rest of Pixar, I disagree because... It, in in that way that they allowed the dinosaurs to evolve into a more sophisticated state is imaginative and risky and clever. And I it was thought, thought it was out pretty, too, yeah. It was pretty thought out. When you first realize that this dinosaur is is uh, laying seeds in a field to grow crops because it's learned how to... Yeah. How yeah. to... Uh, um, They're an agrarian society Cultivate <laughs> agriculture. It's it's clever. And then you think, well, where is this going? And it becomes uh, this kind of coming-of-age Western film. Yeah. Yep. That's essentially just about overcoming fear yep. and discovering what you're made of. And there's a lot of movies like that. So, sure, we're going to see some of the... Some of the um, tropes, yeah. Some of the plot points along the way coming ahead of time, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But there's a lot of things about what you're saying, which is all true. That there's a certain level of predictability. There's a certain level of predictability about predictability. Predict, what's why is it so hard? Predictability. Whatever <laughs> happened? <laughs> Still didn't do it. Whatever <laughs> happened to predictability? Predictability. In just about any no family man, film, baby. you know that, that it's it's most likely the an, the protagonist is not going to die. Right. So the drama that puts the protagonist at risk is never a really huge risk, you know, in a family film. That's a certain level of predictability. And yeah, you know, it stands to reason that this little dinosaur is going to find his way back home in some, you know, some way, shape, or form. So that's, uh, in a sense, predictable. Sounds but, like we're having the Revenant conversation again. But the thing that's, uh, that's interesting and that I think is brave or risky about The Good Dinosaur is that from the beginning, they were talking all this grand hubbub about how they wanted to make nature the antagonist. Like, nature itself is the antagonist in the film, and there are some lesser antagonists as yes, well. Yes and no, yeah. There are lesser antagonists. But uh, the, the theme of... Um, the wilderness becoming personified and uh, and being the you know the personification of Arlo's fear and Arlo's coming to terms with his own mortality are very sophisticated themes for a, a family movie. No, it's not like little anthropomorphized emotions teaching a little girl how to have emotional <laughs> health. That's great. That's clever too. But I think when you're the central theme of the Good Dinosaur is like. Yes, the the world is a scary, dangerous place, and yes, like you will die. The the people that you love will die, but that doesn't mean that you have to be crippled by the inevitability of. Right. Yeah, the Good Dinosaur and Inside Out are so similar in that way, where they're both a coming of age movie about the main character discovering who they are and learning to come to. Gr- 
grips with the world around them, but it's also um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> cool. Hey, just like hey, in, just Inside like, Out, <laughs> just like Inside Out. Uh, but they're both uh, mourning their their Don't childhoods in a way. What are you doing to me? <laughs> they're both mourning their childhoods, where they're being forced to. to come to grips with with reality and in that same moment they have to look back at the world as they knew it and put it behind them yeah to move forward yeah so these movies are so similar that's a kind of a they, in the main character motif sometimes right. that's yeah, toy story 3 very toy story yeah yeah so and then the i thought that the the minimalistic nature of the story was great. It was so refreshing after an Inside Out, which wasn't bad for this, but Inside Out Inside is out so complex. Cluttered. Yeah, that's its world was really robust, you know, yeah. and there were all these little different dynamics about like the way the the landscape of Riley's mind works and the train of thought and headquarters and the different emotions and the mind workers and dreams and you know, all these different required things. Required a lot of exposition. Exactly. And then the good dinosaur is like it's it the dialogue super sparse. The characters are limited, and they most of them only show up for little bits at a time, except for Arlo and Spot. One of the main characters doesn't even have dialogue. Exactly, exactly. And right. then it's a boy and his dog. You're you're watching the boy and his dog movie in a wilderness uh, or a western, you know, a survival western. Um, and to me, that felt like a, a refreshing 180 from what we just did. That, that's not a reason to complain. That's just like, great, just something different. really different. Yeah. Right. It's, yes. a, it's a genre movie, and Pixar yeah. haven't really done a genre movie before, and I think people didn't know necessarily how to watch a genre movie that was a cartoon about dinosaurs. Yeah. They weren't anticipating it. If John Wayne had been on screen, they'd been like, oh, I understand <laughs> what this is. Yeah. Or like even the Coen Brothers remake of True Grit, you know, with uh, Jeff Bridges. They'd be like, I know what this is. I expect it. This is what this is. I'm ready for it. And my mind is right. But they're like, I'm going into a cartoon. There's going to be talking dinosaurs. Wait, hold yeah. on. This isn't the genre that I was expecting. I, didn't I don't expect understand. Talking dinosaurs. Well, the ad campaign was a tad misleading. The first trailer was the the first trailer that had. Did they show talking dinosaurs in one of the trailers? You don't actually see them speak. You hear somebody say hello, but you can't tell who's saying. Yeah, could be. There wasn't like a second trailer that showed them talking. There were subsequent trailers. Maybe I only watched the first. I watched watched that first teaser trailer where Arlo's just like swinging his tail around in the fireflies. Yeah, Yeah, so emotional with this big song playing and them running through these like gorgeously realized uh, landscapes, and you're just thinking like, "Oh, whatever that is, I'm about to cry at it." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go see that. So you're saying that the movie is good in its simplicity. Albeit a genre movie that people didn't seem to quite grasp, but you're saying that the simplicities, even if they are predictable, are what make it charming? I liked that about this particular movie, especially in terms of a Pixar movie, because Pixar movies are notoriously not simple. They're usually yeah. they're usually so That's fantastic... True. And built out in a in a great way. That's like something that right. they're known for. I think that that was one of the big uh, critiques that was leveled at the good dinosaurs. Like, where's all the crazy, over the top, fantastically imagined, you know, like uh, whatever world yeah. building that you yeah. get in even something like a Bug's Life or Ratatouille or you know th- these ideas are so non conventional. The idea of like. Oh, it's a French rat that wants to be a cook <laughs> and he <laughs> operates a guy's cooking his by his hair. I mean, yeah. that's just like outrageous. <laughs> this is yeah. just about a little dinosaur that gets separated from yeah. his family. I think that they they probably put too much emphasis on the fact that they flipped the characters on their heads where it's now the 
the beast, the animal that is the boy and the human being is the, do- right. the dog. Uh, so I think that that's probably where a lot of people are getting their criticism. And for, for as simplistic as it is, you say you like it, other people d- dislike it for that reason. Yeah. And a lot of people say it's predictable because it does replicate a lot of kind of worn out tropes from other coming of age films. I, w- I see. And I wouldn't call them worn out, worn out. I'd call them classic and cherished. Okay. See, yeah, that's how I think that's what's dividing audiences. Is I think how it was they're a delight, defining a delightful use tropes. of tropes that but, are so, there are so many in our cultural psyche. That's true. And all the way through the film, there's like recognizable ones that there's even yeah. scenes that like you've experienced before in other movies, especially like the death of the father. Yeah. Like right. that was just totally. Lion King, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, He's then even the, and the father down. appears to him in a vision later, like right. in the Lion, Lion King. King. Yeah, so even, so you've got the death of a father and then he goes off onto this coming of age adventure where he is lost and he's trying to find his way home. Similar Lion King. But along the way, leeches, right? That's a stand, stand st- by me. Stand by me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting too. The the POV shot of him looking down his body and the, the yeah. leeches like eyes are rolling back <laughs> with pleasure as yeah. they're sucking Aww. his blood. <laughs> <laughs> but he pulls his hand out and it's covered in blood. And stand by me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and then like the acid trip. That's like a kind of a Disney thing. Right, it's like Dumbo. Yeah, when Dumbo. Him and, him and the kids. mouse get drunk. Yeah, yeah, or even Pinocchio, where they're smoking cigars, cigars and, they and they all get all crazy. sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're tripping on cigars. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> and yeah. then the fireflies—that's something you see a lot in these summertime kind of movies. Uh, and then that lean-to. It's those kind of things like kids out camping, building forts with sticks. This is like the kind yeah, of because it's a movie about a kid. Yeah. Like that's right. what a kid. So they do. took a lot of these things, but people seeing them over and over, it's like okay, we've done this. Why are we doing it again? People just reacted badly. Because you even have like Stampede, even the Fireside Stories. How many movies have we seen where they're sitting around a fire right. and telling stories? Because that's like a key, that's a key element of like a Western. I know. I'm giving you the reasons why people thought it was predictable and yeah. un, un- But you know, the, the, the thing about it though is, sure, I, I, I would even say, yeah, I get it. I get If someone were to say, oh, I knew what was going to happen. I recognize the motifs you know, right. from other genre movies. Sure, that's fine. Um, the thing that I don't understand is when people, if people say that the story itself was weak, the story doesn't need to be built up from completely original elements to connect with an audience. In fact, one could, one could argue that the reason that this movie has a certain emotional resonance is because of the familiarity with the different motifs. Um, I think even though the Lion King thing with the dad was totally predictable, it was really effectively realized in the movie in an emotional way that the scene of separation that they have when the storm causes the, you know, I don't know what, what do you call that when it's like flash a flood flash flood. Yeah. And they get separated from each other. And there's that haunting shot of like Arlo's dad looking right. at the water, realizing he doesn't have enough time and then connecting his eyes with Arlo right before he gets in and it cuts immediately to uh, a little, you know, um, crude tombstone built yeah. out of wood on the farm and they're like all, all beaten down with sadness trying to harvest what's left of the crops. Yeah. Even though there's nothing like, man, wow, that's so amazingly original. I've never seen that in a, in a kid's movie. That's even for a kid's movie. That's pretty ordinary, but still it was just like, Whoa, I thought that there was like uh, a powerful moment yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it was. And even these heartless even, people, yeah. 
they're the ones that say, I've seen this before. Because <laughs> even at the the lowest valley of the this, this plot line, when Arlo has tumbled down that, he's fallen into a valley. <laughs> he's, he's tumbled down that cliff and um, Spot's being carried away by those, whatever, pterodactyls mm-hmm. or the, some other yeah. dinosaur. Yeah. I don't well, pterodactyls aren't technically yeah. dinosaurs. Right, sure, they're flying sure. right. reptiles. Right. Anyway, whatever the, they were. Avian the birds, reptiles. The big, the Storm big chasers. Yeah. Storm chasers. I'll give you the that. Pterosaurs. Uh, that's when he has that vision of his dad coming to him, which is very Lion King. It's just like a source for strength. And it's just something we've seen before. But then he even like comes out of that st- strengthened, ready to take on the identity of his father and become a man like his father was. He has that moment where his wimpy, like puberty voice becomes a roar, yep. which is very Simba as well. Yeah, totally. Even so that that line that um, his dad speaks to him that's lost on him when he's a little boy in the, uh, you know, his dad takes him up the hill trying to force him to overcome his fear when Arlo isn't ready to go get Spot the critter at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Arlo's completely defeated. He trips himself up. Arlo also sustains more damage. <laughs> he gets so really gets <laughs> hurt, man. Yeah. And it shows it. You can see like bruises on him and so stuff. So beat up. Yeah. And, and uh, Arlo's dad realizes that he's pushing him too hard and he apologizes to him and he's like, I just want to find some way to help you overcome your fear. And Arlo is uh, so defeated by his own fear that he's like, I'm just, I'll never be like you are. And his dad has this great line where he says, you're me and more. And it's lost on him in that moment. Then his dad dies and he, you know, everything is getting worse and worse. So when his dad appears to him again in the Mufasa vision Mm -hmm. and he speaks that line over him a second time, it's less like now you get it. It was more like he was, he was speaking the truth. You know what I mean? Like his adventure had actually made him, come full circle and now he was his dad yeah and more and uh and we the audience are like that's right man you can do it you're no longer that moment where they were up on that high point together and the dad said look out across the land anything the light touches <laughs> <laughs> is yours except nah, for what's over there you're thinking of the lion king ah <laughs> uh, yeah shoot. it's not that much like the lion king i remember being in the theater and the scene where the family of T-Rexes are uh, running and the score is particularly Western in that moment. And by the way, yeah. the score for this movie is really beautiful. Maybe the best fantastic. of uh, Pixar movies. It's yeah. so nice. I thought that too. Uh, when, I, when I was watching it, um, I think that the music, because it was so different, kind of threw people off. Really? I think that the, the music was a a brave direction to take the score in and it it almost i feel like people might have had a hard time immersing themselves into it and feeling the emotion feeling the feels just because aud- <laughs> the feels. audibly well it was because not the music a Pixar was our movie as well as yeah they took they went it they went a different direction made different choices and yeah. it was a, a non-traditional kind of a music emotions over very traditional storyline yeah, it, the the score from the opening scene uh, after you get the little thing about how the asteroid missed Earth and then it starts opening on the farm and there's this like piece that sounds like a, a fiddle and a piano. Mm-hmm. And it's most of the movie, I mean, there's some orchestral moments, but most of the movie is pretty scaled down. Even in the score, it's, it's minimalistic where it sounds more Western-y or more frontier sounding with a violin. It, it sounds a lot like uh, the scores you hear from someone like, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis when they did the score for The Road or right. for um, 
the the assassination of Jesse James. Those more Oof, great organic sounding. You know what I mean? Instead right. of the big sym- symphonic stuff. It's almost more primitive intentionally in that way. Yeah, yeah. and it works so well. Uh, and it really builds up to this frontier westerny sounding moment when there Arlo's running across the plane with the the T Rex yeah. family, and you realize that the T Rexes have been animated to look like they're riding horses. Yeah, you know? yeah. right. Yeah. And I remember being in the theater, going, and the, yeah, and yeah. the, <laughs> the yeah. audience, I could see the audience reacting to it like, "What is that?" They, oh, what? They were, or they were laughing that. at how they thought it was goofy or something. Uh-huh. I'm like, "That's great! Like, get right. it? It's a western." The they were galloping. Yeah. 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 I just wonder if the visuals of it threw people off because the environments were so incredible, astoundingly realistic. <laughs> right. Even like That's, after the hey, movie was over, it was just like how if you forgot, heck? here's more. It's like uh, yeah, look yeah, how the crazy. And credits are like this that could all, be a really real tree. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You think it's real? Abby That's left Abby and she said. was like, Abby was like, "That's real." I think real. they went out and shot live locations <laughs> and they're all making they us superimpose marshmallow dinosaurs on them. Every time I watch this movie. There's the fir- the first opening sequence where they show the river. Yep. Yeah. Not exactly what you're I talking about. I don't understand. grasp how yeah. they animated that. I've thought that about Pixar since Brave. Like there's that scene where the the Merida and her mom are fishing when the mom is a bear. That's true. And Brave like, is very that impressive. river, like in the sunset or yeah. like she's climbing that waterfall. I'm like, how is how that a that? freaking cartoon? Brave and then is it's, really good. Th- but that, this that. is somehow even better. These yeah. things, this is like the equivalent of those daggum apes we keep talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where there are shots yeah. in, in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where you're like, that could absolutely be a real orangutan right, right. now. Right and now. And the, 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 the landscapes or the, the nature footage in The Good Dinosaur is so authentic and in, not only is it like wow it looks real but the way that they chose to base it on like a montana or a wyoming right. or whatever um the way that like they play with the the light you know yeah. that's it's there's man, so it's many incredible yeah whoever was responsible for the water deserves <laughs> a standing ovation <laughs> right but then the water team the other heroes are like whoever was responsible for the leaves and like the pine needles that stuff was just how do you get into that kind of detail and all the shade and like shadows being cast. But then also, <laughs> just gonna keep but going. wait, there's also more. whoever was, was responsible for lighting was like just a yeah. modern Thomas Kincaid. You no, know what I'm no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it seriously there adds where, so much. The, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. amazing. There were times where like it would, co- it would be coming up off of the water and Arlo yeah. would be picking himself up yep. and there would be light coming up from beneath him. And that's kind of weird texture that, the, the rippling yeah. light right. makes on like his yeah. belly on when him. he's yeah. getting up out of the so water. So good. Yeah, yeah so incredible. what I'm getting at is that was incredible, but then the characters <laughs> are <laughs> but pretty cartoony. Right? Yeah. Like, like you were just yeah. saying, the T-Rexes are like, you know, riding their cattle and then the raptors are meth heads or whatever. So like to me, that that's an interesting new thing Pixar is yeah. doing, it, but I think it, that lost some people. It kind of threw people off to see such... Amazing realism contrasted to Marsh- kind of marshmallowy dinosaur. I remember, right. I yeah, remember we, when the when the trailer came out, Josiah tweeted at the director and was like, "Hey man, what's going on with your marshmallow dinosaur?" Jo- Josiah had a great theory about it though uh, that they wanted it to almost feel like they were toys, like right. that that um, a kid was playing with in his own backyard. I like that. Where it was this kind of dichotomy of you're playing with these cartoon type characters in a real life setting. Right. right. 
And it's just kind of this giant story that's kind of been birthed out of that small yeah. imaginative moment. They were in that inside out clip. Sand. Yeah, that's true. They were carved yeah. out of stone. Uh, but the director tweeted back at Josiah, yeah. Yeah, which, he, of course, none of us have in front of us. Well, no, he, he explained we wanted the nature to be the antagonist, so he wanted it to be very oh, real, yeah. and then we wanted to juxtapose that with the softness of the yeah. Yeah, that character way, design. When, when nature gets harsh, it's way more threatening because right. it is so realistic. Right. I and think it's uh, not a cartoon fragile. flood. It's like, sure, oh, yeah, no, that's like we, real tree trunks going to crush us. We all have that fear of nature in ourselves. Totally. And so it wasn't hard to be scared of something that looks so real. Uh, But I think that what Pixar does with its animated films actually takes it to another level where we can relate to it and find like, like this almost culpable, why use that word right? Culpable. Well, we I haven't don't heard know. the rest <laughs> of the <laughs> Finish the context. Uh, this is the sensation where you, you really feel like this is not an animation. You almost get lost Palpable. in it. Palpable? Palpable. Okay. Um, culpable is like you're the culprit. No. Yeah, Kay. that's not what I want. Palpable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, get, we can look for some more. If sure. I'm not feeling uh, the best sentence for you. What, what I'm saying is that uh, with animated films, um, there's a certain sense of disconnection from reality where you can yeah. do things with this essentially... Uh, non-existent camera that you can put it in the sky you can turn it any direction you can go through walls you can go down into an icy lake and back out again now you're just describing polar express aren't you i was gonna (laughs) say like so like zemeckis his last three films Uh, but (laughs) pixar chooses not to do that and in, in a way it's almost like this sense of like skeuomorphism where in design uh a lot of people experience this with like the ui on their their smartphone where digital design takes... That's user interface for the layman. Right. Uh, where digital design takes cues from reality, from the real right. world. So they make something that doesn't exist within the confines of reality and they force it to, just so that you can experience it the same way you would some something that is real. And Pixar does that with the way that they treat this fake camera. There are hmm. scenes where it's it's uh, well, like pan around Arlo as he's entering yeah. back into the farm, and you'll get a solar flare in the lens. There's no there's no lens. <laughs> the sun is not creating a solar flare. Right. They said, right. let's put in this solar flare so right. that people are lost into the. We're going to obey the rules as if it were. And the camera. average moviegoer doesn't. Uh, they don't pick up on. They realize that, that yeah. you need a lens to experience a flare, a lens flare. Right. Right. <laughs> They're just this. Subconsciously being like it's a, it's a movie. Like yeah, that's right. what happens and when that, you watch it. When, when you happens, pass it at that angle in front of the yeah. sun, because we're doing a circular pan, that would happen. And yeah. it's it would have hit a lens, and it would have right. caused a sun flare. Yeah. And there's so many times where it does that. There's an occasion where the Henry, the father, is spraying water into the crops, mm-hmm. and water hits the lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- no <laughs> I love that. Part. Why? Why? Why did they do that? And then there's another time where that firefly lands on Arlo's nose. And it really gets crazy because it shows that shallow depth of field, meaning anything in the foreground and the deep background is all out of focus. Right. And it's only showing you that tiny sliver of what was Arlo's snout and the bug on there. And that is like a feature that comes as part of the particular lens set that you may or may not be using. 
But there was no, but, there was but no they lens. animated stuff to be yeah. blurry. Yeah. Right. They made a choice to be like, they hey, have, just. They added that bokeh, blur. they call it. That's that, what that's called? Yeah, that blur. Okay. Lens blur is called bokeh. And they put it in there just so, again, you would be lost right. in the animation thinking that what you're seeing and feeling is real and authentic. You're missing this because they, they actually did have cameras and they filmed <laughs> the environments. <laughs> <laughs> they right, right they went out. That and lens flare was really there because they were really on a farm in Wyoming. There's a really marshmallowy little green dinosaur yeah, out there. Weird. The, uh, hey man, that, that's, that's such a, an obvious concern for the integrity of the cinematography that... If nothing else, the thing that I did appreciate was that people were coming out of, of The Good Dinosaur, even the people who picked on it, and s- we'll read some of the reviews in a second, they were acknowledging the fact that, like, well, the thing is gorgeous. We'll yeah. give them that. <laughs> it, like, it looks yeah. incredible, and then they would pick on this or that thing. But I think, man, the concern that they had for uh, visuals on this movie is, is amazing. Even even if you're not like uh, analyzing it to the degree that Tyler has, you're still experiencing all that stuff subconsciously because right. you just are aware that you, you know, yep. it's like um, they start, movies are typically shot on 35 millimeter film, which shoots at 24 frames per second. So for the longest time, consumer cameras were not able to shoot, uh, were not made to shoot at 24 frames per second. So you always would just see a difference between the stuff you filmed at home and the stuff you would see in a movie. Now, as soon as they started making cameras that were available to the public or on, on a consumer level that you could switch to a setting that was 24 frames per second, it's actually just a, a you know, a, a minor uh, feature. You know, it's not a huge deal. Right. But they started making that uh, available. It's just a trick, too, because you're not even shooting on film. And people was like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. What, <laughs> what camera is that? That's amazing. It looks like a movie. That's the kind of subconscious thing that you mm. just know this happens in a movie. Even if you don't know why or what it is, you can turn around that camera to anyone and say, look at this and look at this other one. And they'll be like, that one looks like a movie. But right. things like the depth of field or the lens flare or the lighting, man, I can't even begin to wrap my head around what it might mean to have a computer <laughs> that you <laughs> type and create doodle things yeah. onto and then you you can actually create real lightings. I mean like the 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 spectrum of natural phenomenon that you experience in the good dinosaur is incredible too because right. there's storms and there's sunsets and there's sunrise and there's dusk lightning. and there's rain and, and lightning there's fire floods there's You're the like underwater sandstorm yep. you get the weird misty fog thing that the you know that the pterosaurs come out of at the mm-hmm. end and yep. uh, all you that stuff you get punching through clouds and up into like the sun behind a mountain, like, and then coming back down into the shade and you're like, what, how did, how did you just make that on a computer? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, and then you, like, I remember, I remember like you see all the, like on almost every Pixar movie, you'll see like, oh, this is, or like a behind the scenes featurette. Like, this is how we build it. And you see like the wireframe models on the computer. And then it's like, now they have this gray skin on and now they have this colored skin. on. like, I don't understand how you made the wireframe, let alone how you added then like 19 layers of rendering to get to this thing that looks like a real river. Yeah. And Pixar is notorious for solving other animators problems. Like when they were working on Monsters Incorporated, they realized that they needed to ha- they needed to write a program that could simulate Sully's hair, his right. fur, yeah, um, in a realistic way. And so they had to stop everything and be like, "Well, we got to find some." And then you know you watch the movie now, and it's like the third um, Pixar film, so a lot of it seems terribly 
dated in terms of Pixar, but one thing that still is just like, man, that looks fur great. looks so yeah. realistic. Or with, with Inside Out, they like reinvented how they were animating light because they were like, so we want Joy to be lit up, but actually we want the light to come from inside her. So everything she interacts with has to then look like it has a light source shining on it. So we're just going to completely rewrite everything that's ever been done about making light and appear. it's great too and it looks all the, so good all the emotions have like a no you know hard edges almost there's like a right. little uh fuzziness yeah. to them that every time i'm watching the movie and looking at some of those close shots i'm leaning forward being like what what am i seeing yeah, exactly how, where exactly is the boundary on that creature but way to go pixar we're yeah, impressed there you go yeah if yeah. anything, this is not a convincing resume for us to go work at Pixar because all no. we're doing is saying, no, no. we don't get it. How yeah. the heck? I bet it's just <laughs> a bunch of drop menus, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just right click and then <laughs> select <laughs> make got, river. They've got presets going for yeah, them. Yeah, that's real hard. <laughs> make look good. Yeah. <laughs> so we've said enough about how good it looks and no one disagrees. Ever. No, nor could they. But do you think that the problem with the good dinosaur is that no one connected to it emotionally? Do you think that the worst thing that could have happened to the good dinosaur is for Inside Out to be released before it? Maybe. Maybe. You know, it's like the the only Pixar movies that have come along to not be um, recognized almost universally as wonderful have been few and far between. The first big dud for Pixar was Cars 2. Oh, it's so which was cool. uh, is rotten and and people just genuinely didn't like it. So they like Good Dinosaur more than that. It's because then, it was just those dumb Chevron cars. Well, yeah, what the heck? Nobody cares about cars anyway. I haven't even seen Cars too. I got to see it before we do our <laughs> podcast. Good luck with that, buddy. Um, but then there were also weeks. movies like you know Brave, where it's like. Yeah, pe- people like it. And I don't remember people being like, ah, I hate Brave, but they were kind of all even going, ah, you know. Well, Tyler always says that's because it was Pixar making a Disney movie, right. which is true. That's, I'll get into that on our best of Pixar. So I've got a whole long rant. You've got a whole thing. The thing that sorry, surprises me about The Good Dinosaur is that I didn't realize when I left that the amount of emotional resonance that the movie had for me was going to be that much of a personal thing you know because right. i've talked to so many people that even the ones who were like no it was good i'm like oh were you affected by it like you would did you find it to be like it moving and they're like no not really <laughs> i felt i felt that way about inside out like i i honestly didn't i mean i talked about about it before on the podcast i didn't know why i was supposed to be feeling in anything in inside like am i connecting with riley or am i connecting with joy or you know abby suggested watching it and trying to connect with the parents that helped a little but even then it doesn't like stir my soul i wept in the movie theater my six-year-old daughter mocked me relentlessly for crying what a wiener a A jerk but i thought uh, six-year-old she she wasn't having it you know the 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 threat in inside out is like wow this poor little rich suburban girl is moving from one nice neighborhood to the one of the most desirable cities in the world and so sad she's gonna have to the move weird the pizza has broccoli poor thing how's she ever gonna live that is and gross. the good dinosaur like his dad dies he gets separated from his family he almost dies like 10 different times people are trying uh, to kill him yeah well, like i'm really authentically trying, to, trying is, to kill him is inside out the only pixar movie where the dad either isn't dead or missing or dies yeah the it. parents are just together like and just, they seem happy they survive the whole movie without a tragedy yeah except for man them. riley get your freaking stuff together why are you whining 
So I thought, I mean, like, yeah, I get that the Inside Out is a fun movie. It's brave. clever. Yeah, brave. Um, oh, all right. But, but the the threat level is certainly higher in The Good Dinosaur. I oh, mean, sure. Even though there's a level of predictability in the story, the, the tension that's born even out of such an archetypical format is, man, I, you've got to admit, is a little more su- substantial than, like, Riley's cried at school. <laughs> right. I think the, the character <laughs> It's pretty traumatic. <laughs> the character arcs are great. Arlo obviously goes through a big character change, but what was cool to me is Spot is the changes that Spot's the dog, you know, but he has like a pretty significant character arc yeah, as well. They're yeah. going like, through the journey together. Yeah, it's like, oh man, he has the same situation that, and you that sneaks up on you. You're like, yeah, oh, that. What did y'all guys? What did you guys think about the scene of them when they were sleeping on the riverbed and they first recognized the fact that they've both lost? They've both lost people. I thought yeah, that was a beautiful the family scene. thing with the sticks. That's the moment in the film that has the most emotional resonance. Well, no, I don't. I don't. I, I can't relate to it. The loss of a parent, like they're describing, but the that that is the moment where all of the emotion is laid out. Yeah, right in front of you in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. In the dirt, and I think that's where everything gets real, and you start to discover who these characters are and what they're you know running from, and then you realize what they're up against is that's where everything kind of has its yeah I thought that was that was good writing as well and then it even shoots to the end when Arlo draws a circle around the family for Spot to realize what's going on it's kind of a cliche thing but it's the one that you want to happen you're like yeah that's perfect it was good it was effective it was it's like tell him that's his new family so he can move on it was great that was very like white fang you know but without (laughs) the yelling it's like go on now get yeah Write down White Fang. White Fang. <laughs> Harry yeah, and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is like Harry and the Hendersons. It is Harry and the Hendersons, yeah. It's just <laughs> another plot yeah. point that's already been done. <laughs> you know, the even the, like, it, do, it didn't shock me and be like, wow, I never saw this coming. But the visual echoes, uh, if you've seen the movie more than once, it, it opens with these shots of, Henry, Arlo's dad, moving all strong and upright through yeah. the, the the trees on their farm as he's uh, coming in at dawn, you know, and he's like this huge, powerful, tall, confident person. And then the film concludes when Arlo makes it back to the farm and it's it's echoing the exact same shots, mm-hmm. but with Arlo. She says, Henry? She And she right. mistakes Arlo for Henry because he's like, you know, and again, that line that his dad gave him, you're me and more, he's, he's become his dad in the good sense Yeah. that what his dad wanted him to do, overcome his fear. Uh, and what he's learned along the way is, is significant because it's not just the fact, I think it could have been a lot more cliche if the lesson that Arlo learned was like, don't be, don't be afraid basically. Right. But that conversation that he has with Butch uh, around the fire and Sam Elliott as a T-Rex is great. Come on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that good. was the I perfect voice cast. Sam, yeah, Sam Elliott's a perfect cowboy, but right. yeah, what you're, what you're getting at is I feel like those are the two big defining moments of the film is in the dirt with the sticks and the circles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then the campfire stories. Right. So when Butch tells him what, what do you, what makes you think that you, I wasn't afraid. Yeah, yeah, like right. I was, and he was like, "Yeah, but you took on a croc." He's like, "And I was afraid." You know, if you, if a croc's biting your face and you're not afraid, then you're not alive. And he tells him like the the basic thrust of the movie is uh, you you can't beat fear, but you can get through it, right. and you can find out what you're made of. And then because Arlo's like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm done being scared." That would be the traditional way to go. And I think that even that. 
philosophical deviation from the predictable in that sense is a really powerful nuance to in the good dinosaur's favor because it's it's not about like be brave and you can do anything. Well, it's because that's what the pterosaurs are doing and they're evil psychopaths. Yeah, exactly. So they, they they've they're like, I don't fear anything, man. I've seen the eye of the storm, man. <laughs> yeah. And like they got no humanity. They're a contrast. That's right. that's subtle writing that's yeah, really that's clever. Really like, clever. I the, thought. It it all comes back to fear. So then the pterosaur who's, you know, Phoebe's figure figure skating boyfriend from that thing you do. <laughs> I just yeah. did two different things. And Do you one. mean right. the, the gay ice dancer from Friends? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, well, he's not gay, remember? He's oh, that's he right. He finds out that he's straight. He and has to come out as straight. And he has the rent control department in uh, You've Got Mail? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, just like Matt's saying, they're, they're also dealing with their fear. He's like, you man, I, I can't be afraid <laughs> of anything. Like, I've seen the eye of the storm. I forgot what fear is. Yeah. And uh, and he's become a, like a madman. Right. His eyes are all creepy. So Arlo learns a very different lesson. And it's not like, oh, everything's going to be great. Like, uh, you just got to be brave and you'll get through everything. Right. He actually has to learn learn something that's a bit different than what his dad was trying to teach him. It's emotional ha- maturity. He has to go on that trip to yeah. learn those things. That's think, a great movie, guys. You think he'll <laughs> tell his family about Spot or you think they wouldn't understand? They're neighbors, man. Spot yeah. was just right over the hill. That's, That's right. That's what Abby kept, keeps right going on, on about. Like, I don't understand why I have to be this big goodbye. Why not just like, you want you guys all want to walk with me over here and see <laughs> my house and then I'll see your <laughs> house. I don't know, because like the, the implication is that they're nomadic at that point. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Rather than yeah. agrarian. They, they, haven't, they haven't reached That's why Spot was having to come and steal corn. Yeah. Cave the humans haven't reached the intellect of the dinosaurs yet. Oh, yeah, cave, dad, cave dad had that dad bod though. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. big old dad Santa, bod. Santa Here, dad. let me ask you guys this. This is one critique I, I read of the movie that I thought was, oh, okay, that's okay. And I think Tyler might disagree. Uh, was that the movie's ad campaign or the, the promotion for it leading up to it banked a lot on the premise of the asteroid missed Earth and now the dinosaurs are millions of years evolved beyond when they would have died. So they're more advanced than the humans, blah, 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 blah. What if, you know, the whole trailer's like, what if, and then it showed the asteroid thing. The movie actually doesn't like need one, that premise. Yeah, it was like w- one moment can change history and one act of kindness can change yeah. s- your story or if, something. If you lift out that little intro to the movie and you just open up on the farm, we really wouldn't need an explanation. We would think it's a cartoon. The dinosaurs talk. Just like it's a cartoon, the rat talks. <laughs> yeah, I can suspend my disbelief to the point where I can like ignore natural history and say, yeah, sure, okay, so in this movie, much like in old movies in like the 50s, like dinosaurs and humans were around at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's a, that's no a regular thing in yeah. old movies right. about like, oh, I'm it's like, a dinosaur and it's a caveman. The cavemen exactly. fight the dinosaurs. It's a, it's a really clever premise to be sure. And I love what Tyler was saying that like, it also means that they've evolved into this agrarian society and they're farmers now. All that's great, but uh, it it doesn't give you, the movie doesn't have the space nor the the genre accommodations to like really flesh out the implications of them being millions of years evolved. Right. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that they went through that effort just so that they could put humans dinosaurs together? Maybe, like they didn't want to answer dumb emails from... Neil deGrasse like, Tyson yeah, or something. Right. Like, um, <laughs> actually, guys. There's, this, there's a bonus feature on the Blu-ray that goes on to say, 
hey guys, we we don't know everything about dinosaurs, so this is in fact. Oh yeah, so I watched yeah. that feature. They were like, <laughs> dinosaurs didn't talk, and if they did, it wouldn't have been English. <laughs> we didn't know what color they were or what kind of noises they made. It's like that guy that come pops up in Dinosaur Train with Doctor Scott, the paleontologist, and yeah. says, "Point of fact, they didn't play basketball." Yeah, but you got to have train. that. Dinosaur Train. Spoilers. Right now. Big spoiler for Dinosaur Train. That, that is every single episode. That's kind of what about the basketball. Hi, it's Dr. Oh, the Scott. <laughs> Go the outside and make some discoveries. That's right. Hey, Dinosaur Train's great. Well, for being a genre film and a coming-of-age film, I still think that it, it had enough emotion for people to connect with. Uh, I think that, in my opinion... There are a couple things that hurt that Inside Out hurt it. Yep, agree. And yeah, I so. and the non traditional score because really? it, it it didn't it didn't plunge into these like sweeping dramatic like moments in the music. It was all very simple and kind of cute at times, and I think that it didn't lead people into those emotions like other scores do. Shoot, man, it led me. If it hadn't been that score, that end when the there's a theme for you know Arlo's family theme when he finally makes his mark and yes. it kind of swells up at the end. <sighs> Powerful stuff. Gotcha. Powerful stuff. Let's see what some critics had to say, and maybe we can narrow down to end with a little bit more of what those complaints were, and if we've already addressed them or not. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm let's hear it. Really for some excited. jack off that gets paid to complain. Here Man, we go. I wish I got paid to say nice things about movies. Jason Bailey from Flavorwire says the script is puzzlingly devoid of wit. The conflicts and character arcs are unimaginative and stale. The pacing is inexorable, and the plotting is rudimentary at best. I don't know what all those words mean. Yeah, maybe this guy just needs to put down the thesaurus and tell us what, what he's thinking. Basically, I'm he hates it. about the apatosaurus. Well, we don't uh, disagree that the, the plot line is rudimentary. It's right. all... It's but that's not an issue. I just disagree that it's, it's a bad, it's, it's necessarily bad. Right, that's where people are disagreeing. We say it's not an issue. It right. should still be enjoyed for what it is because it does it really well. Other people are saying, ugh, been there. Right, and they're yeah. done that. But the when was the last time there <laughs> was a great Gross. like Western genre movie? Django? Yeah, but that was Django. Wild Wild West. Yeah, this is not like True. Django. Jeff Beck from The Examiner <laughs> says, While The Good Dinosaur does have things to admire about it, including beautiful animation and some intriguing characters, it's ultimately one of Pixar's weaker e- efforts thanks to an overly familiar story and themes. Same traditional Same thing, yeah. argument, but I again this like this guy obviously hasn't seen up or he wouldn't say that this was one of the weaker <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke Buckmaster from Crikey says Buckmaster? Buckmaster. <laughs> okay. Hyper cartoon design in the foreground and IMAX realism in the background makes an odd dichotomy and it's hard to see the point. It's almost like they made a creative choice that you're not smart enough to understand, Buttmaster. If <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Buttmaster. <laughs> Uh, in 2015, for the first time in company in the company's history, Pixar released two films. One of them was wonderful. The other was The Good Dinosaur. Oh, says Mel. oh get yeah. out of here. Mel Campbell of Junkie. Yeah, Junkie yeah. is right, like your attitude. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know he felt like he was being so clever with <laughs> so that. So smart. He sat back and cracked his fingers. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that'll show him. He, he did that finger wiggle that Tom Hanks does in... 
You here's, got mail? Here's an idiot. Josh Larson of Larson on Film <laughs> says, what's missing is any sense of unified purpose or vision. Now, say what you will about the thing. What? But the purpose is exceedingly clear. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's yeah. clearly just his blog. You hate movies. Yeah, that guy hates movies. Liam Magurin says, you'll get a greater sense of the father-son bonding in Sanjay Super Team. The seven-minute short film that plays before the feature. No. It's good. It was okay. a good. Short it was a great short film. Hey, can I just say this? Uh, the worst of all the Pixar shorts was Sanjay's Sanjay Super, Super Team. Team. By no. far the worst. No, Volcano Lava. Was the worst. I would watch Lava Stop. on repeat and not hey, have to see I, Sanjay. Again. I just looked up the director, whose name I've forgotten because I'm a terrible person. Directed the the short storks the one that came before peter, up peter Sohn. yeah peter Sohn. he directed that short where the stork has to make all the spiky babies mm-hmm. oh that's a yeah. good short the, with the clouds yeah. the cloud yeah. Yeah. yeah that was fun i thought that was a great one how about this uh tyler you'll appreciate this one janet smith from georgia Strait says the good dinosaur follows a journey quest script that borrows liberally liberally from the lion king the jungle book and the land before time the <laughs> land before time. Yeah, well, because, yeah. because it's an apatosaurus whose parents are going <laughs> trying to get off. Like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't mean it's bad. No, I watched a I watched a fantastic little documentary today about how everything's a remix and it's all just taking stuff that we copy and transform and then create new things out of it. That's how story works. Nothing new, right? Under nope. the sun. How exactly. about this? Violet Lavoit from All Movies says, a plodding, punitive morality tale that owes less to the whimsy of Toy Story and more to the vengeful tradition of cautionary Struwelpeter fables? Struwelpeter? F- <laughs> Buttmaster. <laughs> Buttmaster, <laughs> indeed. Punitive morality. Really? Just because he it? gets beat up, I guess. I or don't because, know. or because he didn't listen. If you got to listen to your dad, or else you'll kill him. Uh, <laughs> yikes! yikes. <laughs> you got to behave, kids, or else your dad will die. Here's a funny one from a Honolulu Star Advertiser. Oh, cool! The free uh, advertising newspaper of Honolulu. While I can certainly marvel at the realistic computerized water in a movie, I don't go to the movies to marvel at computerized water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. That's it. Nothing more. Just that. Yeah. All right. Uh, there was more than that river that was great. And here's here's one of the ones that I, I really think is just like doesn't make sense as a critique. However much it may delight on a scene-by-scene basis, the good dinosaur never comes together as a coherent whole a crucial flaw for a film by Pixar, which has always put story first. What are you talking about? If anything, the story is so simple <laughs> right? Yeah. that it's it very easy to see the coherent whole arc. Right. Yeah, it's almost too simple that people get lost in the day-to-day antics or problems that Arlo and Spot face. Yeah. Like so them eating fruit or... That, that part, I really enjoyed that weird part and also was like, that part was really weird. Mark Kermode, you hate movies, by the way. Uh, Kermode? Kermode, yeah. The (laughs) Buttmaster Kermode. Abby told me she saw some moron on the internet saying that they were uh, begging parents not to take their kids to see this movie because it (laughs) endorses recreational drug use. Stop. Because they they ate fermented peaches? Yeah, or whatever they are, plums or something. Plums or something, yeah. Oh, man. What? Listen to this one. Just it a shows them with a hangover. Yeah, there's consequences. The Just a couple more of these. Bill Gibran from Film Film Racket says, there's really not much more to The Good Dinosaur than great-looking scenery spiced up with slapstick. Slapstick 
constitutes a very slim portion. Um, what even is slapstick? Would be like when Spot trips Arlo, so he falls down and and bridges that gap. Yeah, that would be the scene. Yeah, the one piece of slapstick. Yeah, it's not like it's a freaking Three Stooges. No, <laughs> there's no pies, <laughs> no pies, no crotch shots, no big ladder spinning around. And then finally, this is one that I think kind of uh, summarizes what we're saying. Um, it's a good and harmless film for kids, but it's kind of a letdown considering the creative team behind it. So I think that the the points against The Good Dinosaur that we can wrap our minds around, even if we like The Good Dinosaur, is what Tyler was getting at, Inside Out. Inside Out gave us in the same year, just months earlier, a very big concept mm-hmm. and a very complicated uh, unique, unconventional, we've never seen anything like this before concept in a good way. And then months later, we get something that's uh, way more based in uh, traditional motifs and familiar tropes. That's a huge uh, thing that I think threw people off. And the other thing is really just the Pixar thing. I think Pixar, in a sense, has painted themselves into a corner uh with good things, but they've painted themselves into the, a corner nonetheless. They're so used or known for things like, oh, the rat controls his hair because right. he wants to be a great chef one day and it's really a story about creativity. Wow, that's incredible. It's the emotions and this little girl coming to grips with her emotional health, but you actually track the movie with the emotions in her head, you know, all that kind of stuff. That when something like Brave comes along, like it or don't like it, um, that's just a traditional Disney princess story. Then everyone's like, what the heck? What the heck is this crap? Or when the dinosaur comes along and it's by the numbers in terms of the genre rules for the genre movie it is, everyone's like, where's the emotions in Arlo's head? Where are the talking toys? How come there's not a rat controlling his cooking? Why isn't this car racing against a British accent car and a French accent car? That's <laughs> what I want to see, please. Thank you. But, you know, I I have to hand it to Pixar. I hope that they won't be discouraged by um, what well, was still a, 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 a good reaction. The Pixar, I mean, The Good Dinosaur is sitting at 76 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is still really positive. But even though the, the complaints were kind of bitter and biting, you know, that the story's not good, that's kind of the worst thing that you can sure. say about a movie. Yeah. I hope that that doesn't discourage them from wanting to stretch their wings more and not be confined to, unless it's the most fantastical thing ever, let's not even waste our time. Because I think by doing something different for them, even though it was more traditional for us, they did something really great, and it's neat to see them move in a different direction. Yeah, yeah I'd love yeah. to see them do other genre movies. Just because there was no old man floating around in a house with balloons and an yeah. Asian boy. Chasing around some dumb bird with a guy who's gone crazy and a blimp full of dogs. <laughs> Freaking talking dog. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Stupid up. The movie sucks. <laughs> Buttmaster. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. You can check out our entire backlog of more than 60 episodes of You Hate Movies at youhatemovies.com where you can actually leave a comment on this episode. And you know, it stands to reason that inevitably some of you guys listening to this right now, some of you guys and gals, you hate movies as well. And you had a problem with The Good Dinosaur and you disagree with our expert opinions. So now is the time to speak up and let us know where you think we went wrong. We didn't actually go wrong, but where you think we went wrong. So leave a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com or on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at youhatemovies.